and welcome to episode nine of the Clax Women for Indie podcast. First of all, we'll be looking in on our regular Friday morning coffee and catch up at the Bomar Community Cafe in Alloa. And you can hear about some exciting developments in the quest for a Section 30 order. The other big event this week has been the IndyRef 2020 rally in Freedom Square in Glasgow, which was a fantastic event. Well done to the National for putting that on. There were some wonderful speakers. The weather was OK. Um, there were some problems with the sound, especially if you were in the middle of the crowd, which we were. But Clack's wife, he did our bit by putting our phones on loudspeaker and relaying Independence Live's live stream to people around us. Um, that worked really well, even with a tiny delay in the sound. So sometimes you heard the crowd up front cheering and it took us a few seconds to find out what they were cheering about. But we made it work. It certainly didn't spoil our enjoyment of the day. And everybody left on such a high, just raring to get going now with India Ref 2020. And um, we've included Mary Black's speech in this episode. She was up first when the sound problems were worst and we didn't manage to catch her live um, and it's well worth hearing so we've included that for you. And the music this week comes from the Sir Alba Pipes and Drums accompanied by the crowd. Hope you enjoy it. And we're at our usual Friday morning haunt of the Community Café at the Beaumar Centre in Alloa today. And Jenny, one of our members, is just about to update us all on the latest position from Martin Keatings of the Forwarders One project, who you might be aware we're looking into crowdfunding legal action against the UK government should the Scottish government be refused a Section 30 order. So here's an update from Jenny on where we are with that. The SNP take a majority of seats in the general election and they make the Section 30 requests and the UK government refuse the request or ignore it. They now have confirmation that the solicitor and the advocate will work for us as petitioners to take a case to court. And this is not about arguments relating to government v government. This is about our right to engage in democratic engagement with the constitutional question and the state denying our fundamental rights. It's therefore a different route of argument that the Scottish government or a political party would take. These are people who were involved in this section 50 order when the European Court said yes, we could revoke with no detriment. In terms of independence, it would be likely to be one of the most significant legal cases in Scottish constitutional history. Of course, any government or political party which wishes to join as an interested party to the proceedings will have that ability. But each person who donates to the case will be listed as one of the petitioners. All will be represented by the same legal team, which, as you can understand, a good few thousand people petitioning to the court against the UK government is a powerful message of itself. 
This will be the first time in history every person in our movement will have their own voice heard in the matter of the rights of the electorate with relation to a constitutional question. This is designed to complement any action the Scottish Government may choose to take themselves. It's a different perspective of Section 30. That is, the Scottish Government case would be constitutional government v government where this will be more human rights related. Our rights neglected by Westminster, which the SNP can't really argue as a position, because that would be immediately branded by they're trying to claim they speak for everybody. Yeah. So this is almost like, is it the Bill of Rights? Yes. Is this the Bill of Rights? Yeah, our yeah. Uh -huh. our yes. permission yeah. to dictate what kind of country we want to live in, yeah. what kind of future status we want to live in. It seems to be, that's kind of ringing a bell. Yeah. Yes. So other parties, like you were saying, Jen, could be signatories to that. So you could have groups like the Greens. The Greens yes. might want to sign up to that. The way she was talking there, I would think that it sounded more that it doesn't matter what party you belong to. The actual people who are... Yeah. Yeah. Your affiliations don't matter. It's if you believe that that's the case. Yes. Does it matter how many signatories to it? No. no. He just said if, if 10,000 people give £10, that's 100,000. They're going to need that kind of level of funding. But this was also done when Trump was trying to buy the farm next door to many. And lots and lots of us paid £10 for a plot of land. So when he tried, it meant if he went for compulsory purchase, he would have to purchase from everybody. Brilliant idea. <laughs> Somebody came up with this and I saw it in, a pa in the paper. I thought, I've got, I've got to do it. It's where my family come from. So creative as well, isn't it? How sneaky are we? It's a small concept, but it's had huge implications yeah. for us. Yeah. Yeah. And this was pre the big crowdfunding. Yeah. 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 It's very democratising. Like yeah. 25, 30 anyone. years yeah. ago. Mm -hmm. and technology's allowed this oh, to yes. happen. Yeah. We all complain about technology and social media, but this one is bang on the money. This is the future. This will empower all of us. Yeah. Yeah. So she hasn't formally asked. She's asked informally. But the bill is still going through Parliament. They've still got the referendums bill going through. Yeah. There was a suggestion at the RIC conference that actually you could push that to the max. And if they said, right, using that bill, we're actually going to have a referendum and let Westminster take us to court about it. Yeah. Because taking us to court about our right to have a referendum is a quite a powerful yeah. statement that we would as a yes. people not want to let them but do. Yeah. Whatever the government chooses to do, this action will run alongside ten pound gift voucher. Yeah to my oh. sons in law and exactly Christmas presents to people. Here's your role as a litigant. Yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't that be cool. And then you could give a present to any of your no voting friends might I've made you a litigant for Christmas. <laughs>
Very good. But they, they didn't actually say on thing that you just read out, they didn't say which court they were going to take it to. Oh, it'll be Scotland, the court of session, I would think. Uh -huh. yeah. And then the court of human rights, perhaps? Well, it depends. I can't see the power of 100,000 people as petitioners against a, a, a Westminster refusal. Uh -huh. How can they defend yeah. that? It's not uh -huh. the government be government. This is the people yeah. be uh -huh. government uh -huh. and they've already accepted that that we are sovereign. Face that down yeah. at their peril. Yeah. Yes. But it's also it's it's putting the spotlight back where it should be, which is how dare you deny us a right to choose. And isn't it neat that it's seven hundred years since the Declaration of Arbroath? Yeah. Now, when I was asking you that question earlier, there was a bit of yesterday's national, it was Andrew Wilson, you know, that did oh, the yeah. growth commission. He was actually bringing that up and he said that it would eventually go to... He was talking about what the government would do. Oh, maybe it was, because he, he mentioned going to the European Court of Justice. Yeah, that and would then be the, the international court. That would be the government. That would be the because, government one. Because it is an international treaty. The Treaty of Union is an international uh -huh. treaty. A bit like the Good Friday Agreement uh -huh. is an yeah. international treaty. Right. Uh -huh. So okay. we can go beyond our shores. How the government would react. So the government are constrained by a number of legalities. But as long as this is in place and we have our, our uh -huh. solicitor to take it forward to an advocate, mm -hmm. to take it forward to a judge, mm -hmm. then we can do the grassroots, yes. just like we are the grassroots movement. So how exciting could that be? Ordinary Scots named as litigants in a, a crowdfunded court case against the UK government fighting for our right to choose our future. We'll keep you up to date with anything more we hear on that, but um, do have a look at yourself. Martin Keating's Forward Us One project sounds as if it could be really exciting. Woman from Indie Podcast, we're all at the train station and we're already all buzzing. Waiting to get on the train, there's quite a lot of people with flags and badges, so hopefully a good showing in Glasgow and the rain's holding off. What do we think today's going to be like? Busy. Oh yeah. Yeah, I think there's going to be a huge support. It's quite a change not having to walk two hours to, to get anywhere. Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> I'm just wondering who we're all going to fit in, hopefully. Well, I wondered that because no, when, if you if you end up spreading out down the side streets, what are you going to see and what are you yeah, going to hear? But I so suppose it's just, but it's we'll just turning up, numbers, isn't it? Yeah. Let and them then see we, the numbers that we have. It is big enough to be spilling yeah. down the streets. Yeah. Then we can go home and watch it on live stream. <laughs> <laughs> So here we are in George Square. Caught me again then. Caught you again. <laughs> sporting the beautiful horns. Yes, sorry about that. Helga popped out of my handbag. <laughs> At least we can Helga find you hand. in a crowd. I know. I, 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 there's a few more of us. And we're gathered under William Gladstone's statue because we're waiting for a Women for Indie photo call. Which could be interesting any minute. 
And just while we're waiting, I've just spotted Jean Freeman, who's the Scottish Government Cabinet Secretary for Health and Sport. Jean, of course, is one of the founding members of the Women for Independence organisation. Let's see if she'll have a word with us. What do you think of today for a start? I think today's looking brilliant. We're not even close to starting and uh, the place is really busy. Uh, lots of folks here from Women for Indy, which is fabulous yes. to see. We're going to do a group photo in a minute, I believe. Excellent, which excellent. Is great. Uh, so, hopefully this is the kick-off. Um, we absolutely have to win this election for independence. It's our next step. And it is close. We we can get there, and yeah. we have to. We have to. I must say, I'm delighted by how much support we're getting from Boris Johnson. Because every time he opens his mouth, I think we get another 200 supporters. So. Well, I think yeah. I think uh, he is probably actually saying out loud what so many of them think and have yeah. always thought. And the bottom line is that they are utterly disrespectful of Scotland and of this country. So, you know, we need to we need to change that. Our future doesn't have to be like that. And women need to be at the forefront. Yes. And we're here, we're here today, we're here for everything. It's gonna go down well on the podcast. That is now live. No, it's all right. No, I'm just happy. We're recording this, so we got you there. Okay. Thank you very much, Jean. folk I would take a photo from the stage so oh you're looking gorgeous <laughs> brilliant oh, so a few fair folk turned out then I see <laughs> brilliant also you'll have to forgive the paper I've got it's the only A5 that I could find now, right now I'm technically still an MP. And actually, I want to start off with an apology uh, to my colleague, Alison Fearless, because I, I forgot to notify her that I was going to an event in her constituency. Um, but considering that we are all here for the same reason, I don't think she'll mind too much, because we're all here for independence. The last time I spoke here was in 2014, and I'm glad to see that the crowd is just as big <laughs> now as it was then. And I'm now going into my third election after facing off my third Prime Minister, and yet we are regularly told that we are not respecting democracy. We are regularly told that we are not respecting the result of any referendums that have happened, whether it be 2014 or 16, they're wrong. The key difference between us and those who criticise us is that we do not fear referendums. We do not fear democracy. This here right now is democracy. 
the very presence of myself and my SNP colleagues serves as evident that we respect the outcome of referendums. Because we said to Scotland, okay, we haven't convinced you yet, but at least let us go down there and fight to make sure we get everything that we were promised. If anything, it seems to me that it is actually the winners of these referendums who are terrified of democracy and terrified of being held to account for the promises that they have failed to deliver time and time again. But my next point, this brings me on to the Labour Party. Now the Labour Party once was, for me and for many others, a political giant that somehow lost its way and ended up hand in hand with the Tories. And I, like many others, felt that Jeremy Corbyn could have been a different direction. He's even gone so far as to nick half the policies that we've already implemented up here, which is flattering in a sense, I suppose. And for example, he's actually given credit where it is due to the likes of my colleague Alison Thewlis and her fight against the rape clause that has been forced upon Scotland. And yet just a week ago, he was up in Motherwell campaigning, saying that the Scottish government could do something about this abhorrent policy, even though he knows it is reserved. And he's done that with multiple issues. In my book, that's called deception. The Labour Party has been promising home rule for years, and it has never delivered it. Time and time again, it has passed up the opportunity. And yes, we can tinker about with the Scotland Act. Yes, we can devolve the odd thing. But the truth is, there is one legal fact which stands out, and that is section 28, subsection 7. And I need you to stick with me here because I'm getting geeky. This section does not affect the power of the Parliament of the United Kingdom to make laws for Scotland. No matter what is devolved to us, ultimately nothing affects the power of Westminster to make laws for Scotland. And just last week we heard Boris Johnson saying, I think the SNP will forfeit all right to manage the NHS. We cannot afford to be naive. The only way to protect our parliament is to become an independent country. Some say that we all get to participate in Westminster elections for representatives that we feel will stand up for our interests. And that is true. But if you remove the Scottish vote from the overall vote in any general election, the result would remain unchanged. In 1979, 1983, 
87, 92, 97, 2001, 2005, even in 2010, we voted Labour and still got Tory. Vote Labour to keep out the Tories, we're told. Scotland has woken up to that myth and we will not be made to feel guilty about it. Scotland currently has 59 MPs out of 650. To put that into context, the City of London has 73. We are in a situation where we can and are regularly outvoted by one city, the second largest nation in this family of nations. And I say this, yes, because Brexit is a problem and it's the problem of the day. But let's not forget the concentric scandal, the Windrush scandal, Cambridge Analytica, the chaos of universal credit, the failure to deliver payments to the 3.8 million WASPY women living in this country. We can only ever guess what the problems of the future will be. And let's not forget, in 2014, the idea of Boris Johnson as Prime Minister, with Nigel Farage nipping at his heels, that was a warning. Now it is a sobering reality. And what I want to know is that if Scotland genuinely was an economic strain on Westminster. If we genuinely were subsidised, why did he want to keep us? The Tories wouldn't subsidise a spare bedroom. What makes you think they would subsidise a whole country? Imagine giving your wages to your neighbour and then letting them decide what you could spend. I would go as far as to say that as a nation, we have been conditioned for years. A constant drip, drip effect that we aren't good enough, that no one can understand our accents. Now I understand that most people's instinct <coughs> is to find that that is a, an insult to their intelligence. And I understand that, but that's exactly how it works. We think it's normal because we've been told no different. Scotland is too small. We have similar populations to Norway, to Finland, to Ireland, to New Zealand. Are they too small? Scotland's too poor and needs the rest of the UK more than it needs anyone else. Scotland's international exports have grown three times faster than our exports to the rest of the UK. We're told that Scotland would need to start from scratch, but we've already established differences in so many systems, education, law. Devolution has allowed us to take a different path wherever possible one of dignity, inclusivity, and compassion. We already fork out 
a hundred million pounds every year mitigating the worst of austerity. What if we instead could take all that talent, all that energy and all that money and reinvest it in renewables and in infrastructure and in people? There is one thing I have to give Westminster credit for before I go. The UK is in the Guinness World Book of Records as the country from which most countries have gained independence. Since 1939, 62 countries have gained independence from Westminster and not a single one has ever looked back. Only one country has ever decided to stay and look where it has gotten us. I've been saying since 2014 that the UK is arguably a sinking ship. Would you really stay on a sinking ship for fear that the lifeboat wouldn't work? But actually, five years on, I do a disservice. It's better than a lifeboat. It's a ship, and it's a ship where you are welcome, no matter your colour, your creed, your sexuality, your gender. If you are here and you want to make this a better place, then mon in. Sixty-two countries. Scotland, let's be sixty-three. Thank you. us back on the train again. Yeah, great day for independence, isn't it? Yeah. Um, really positive, really good, good turnout. Yeah, and very, very, very enthusiastic very crowd. Yeah. yeah. The square, you couldn't see the back. Nope, you were surrounded. And just as the day went on, you got more and more and more people joining. Yeah, really, really good. Yeah. And the standout for me, I thought Hamza, you said, what a great speaker he is. You don't hear very much from him, but he's really, really tapped into the mood of oh, yes. of the location as well. You yes, know. very much a, a Glasgow boy. Yes, uh -huh. <laughs> and so you, you stood there in George Square thinking, oh God, you know, just all the other people who stood there before you. That was very powerful yeah. stuff, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I thought Jane was good as well. Jenny Godley, yes. Yeah. She's so she funny. She was just sending the love. That's <laughs> right, yes. And the, the poor old guys at the back with her union jacks. You just, I mean, how soul-destroying it must be to come out time after time after time and get outnumbered about a thousand to one. <laughs> at least, yeah. They don't do us any damage. But, and it just, it just makes the point, really, because you look at, was that what you want us to choose? Why would we choose that? Yeah, exactly.
Just after we'd finished recording that little conversation in the train carriage, we got chatting to people at the table in front of us and turned out every single person in that compartment had just come from the, the rally. So we started sharing leaflets with each other. One of the women in the compartment is going to come along to our Women for Indy meeting on Monday and we're going to get together locally and we're going to start leafleting, particularly some of the high no areas in, in Clackmannanshire. So there you go. Plans were being made on the train home. That's how quickly we've sprung into action. So just enough time to mention a few events that are coming up soon. We've got our regular Friday appearances at the Beaumar, 10.30 on Fridays. On the 15th of November, we're hoping to be guests on the Norrie Hunter show. I know Norrie's been a bit under the weather recently, so I hope he's feeling better and I hope he's recovered enough for us to come and meet him on his show. We're really looking forward to that. And then on the 23rd of November is the National Women for Independence AGM. And there has been a change of venue for this one. Normally it's at the hotel in Perth, but it's going to be at the Pierce Institute in Glasgow this time. So I'm sure they'll be writing out to Women for Indy members with more details. But uh, that's a few things. It looks like November's going to be quite busy. When we first set up with this podcast, we thought we might get enough material for an episode maybe every two or three weeks or even monthly. But as it turns out, there's just so much happening. You seem to be churning them out one after another. I hope you're managing to keep up. As well as our regular Tuesday morning broadcasts on Indie Live Radio, you can also um, catch up with our podcasts on Indie Live Radio's podcast channel, which is Scottish Independence Podcast, Yes Cowl and Indie Live Radio. I'm not sure how it came to be called that, but that is what it's called. So if you subscribe to that, you'll get notified not only whenever we have a new podcast out, but also Indie Pram and various other um, recordings that uh, Indie Live Radio put on there. There's a lot of the excerpts from the recent RIC conference on there as well, I see. So lots of ways of keeping in touch with us. And you can also get us on Twitter at Wifey or on our Facebook page, Women for Independence, Clackman and Shire. Look forward to catching you next time. Bye now.